Today on Pediatrics Now, we're talking about how to thrive and survive in this extreme heat. What about in the summer in San Antonio and swimming? How important it's, is that? It's really hot, so you need to swim to keep it cool down. <laughs> well, how does it make you feel when you're swimming? Happy. Hey, it's Holly. Today on Pediatrics Now, we're talking about water safety. I'm talking today with Dr. Rob Sanders. He attended the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine, and he did his residency at Phoenix Children's Hospital. He's the Director of Ambulatory Operations in the Department of Pediatrics at UT Health San Antonio. Dr. Sanders, thank you so much for being here today in the podcast studio. Thanks for having me. Texas Pediatric Society offers an annual quality improvement program to provide MOC credit for incorporating a drowning prevention program in their clinic. Yeah. That sounds like it could be I've really actually done the program. And it's how bad. is it? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's super easy. So for anyone out there who needs MOC credit, uh, this is a great way to do it. It's actually really impactful uh, for families as well. Uh, they they go through, you know, we all know that, that drowning uh, happens and uh, it can be very dangerous. It's the number one cause of accidental death mm. in children from one to four. Mm. Uh, so it's, it is a big, it's a big deal. But the Texas Pediatric Society has uh, done this MOC now for a couple years, and they provide training to providers to and how to have conversations with families. But on top of that, they actually provide materials to put in the clinic and to give to families oh. to help prevent prevent uh, water related injuries and death. Um, it's a real. It's it's not a hugely time consuming program. Uh, again, very impactful for patients and their families. And if you need the MOC credit, you should absolutely look it up. They usually recruit probably I think around the new year, and the program starts in April and it runs through the summer. That sounds fantastic. And like a lot of people may not realize how quiet drowning is that it's not like splashing around yelling like they may see in the, the movies absolutely it's it's very scary water uh um, related injuries and death can happen literally uh with uh you know be completely silent i was a lifeguard for a long time it was my that was my job growing up i was a swim coach and a lifeguard at a pool and i, I was too yeah all oh, right on <laughs> very cool and I, I had a couple saves, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know that everyone does, but I actually had to have, it was a busy pool, so I guess I did, but you know, one of them was a kid who just just literally was walking by the, the deep end and just slipped in and <sighs> was on the bottom of the pool in a second. Oh. And this was a toddler. And so, if you hadn't seen that. Right. Exactly. Oh. So a couple of the big things, you know, outside of the MOC project, what are the other things that we can... Uh, talk about with families in regards to helping prevent your child, you know, their people's children from, you know, suffering something like this. So, um, again, it is silent it, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Kids slip under the water. You see, you generally will not hear a thing. So if your back is turned to them, even for a second, they could potentially be at the bottom of the pool. So multiply that out now to you have a pool in, in your house. You have toddlers who might or might not know how to swim. You've told them many times, you don't go near the pool. You don't, you know, you're mm -hmm. going to be in big trouble. The back door is open. The kids are playing in the backyard. You go in to start cooking dinner. Okay. They walk to the pool because they're curious. They, you will not hear them scream. Mm -hmm. That child will fall, it, that potentially could fall in. And you come out to check on them five or ten minutes later, and that child's been on the bottom of the pool for five minutes. 
Mm. It's, it, it is scary. So devastating. So with that in mind, that picture in your head in mind, right? What are some of the things that we, we want we want to recommend? First of all is providing, uh, if, and this is more specifically for families who have pools in their home. You want four-sided fencing or four-sided barriers. You do, and, and, and that's an important number, four, okay? So you want, a, you want a barrier that completely blocks off the water from the rest of the house, okay? A lot of people have a have a privacy fence or a fence around their backyard and they count the back of the house as the as the fourth side okay but that fourth side that is the house has doors right doors that can be opened by children that you might not hear while you're in the other room they can easily get out to the pool and and, and potentially fall in so four-sided barriers around the pool fences are ideal okay uh, the second thing is when you're when people are swimming or with their they're with their children in in or near water and it can be six, it can be two inches deep okay always be within arm's length of your kid especially if they're a non-swimmer because you might think that splash pad is perfectly safe but there could be a situation where a toddler falls and bunks their head and passes out in three inches of water and they're, they, they can literally drown in three inches of water. So always keep your children, especially uh, children who are non-swimmers, within arm's length. Always have somebody be responsible for watching the pool. It does not have one to person. be one person. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be a certified lifeguard, okay? It has to be one person who's always watching the water. Uh, and that person is not going to be distracted by cooking, by having a drink, by getting into side conversations. Their job is to watch the water with the kids, right? Uh, and then relinquish the responsibility, share it with the other people in the family, but always make sure that somebody has their eyes on the water. I remember when I was a news reporter, I covered this drowning, and it happened at the zoo in the uh, body of water that where swimming isn't allowed, but it was a it was a family gathering, and there were... Uh, probably 30 people there, lots of kids swimming, family members, and it was a seven-year-old who tragically drowned. And um, and there wasn't one person watching that child. Right. Everybody was watching the child. Everybody was watching the child, right? But mm-hmm. then really nobody was. So it, we call them like the be the assign a water watcher okay and part of this MOC program they actually have like these wristbands that they'll give you and they you know you, to you know to help assign the water watcher but yes always have a water watcher for sure um, another thing that uh, another uh, layer of protection we call these layers of protection with water safety right uh, Coast Guard approved life jackets you know if a life jacket is Coast Guard approved because you'll see a stamp from the Coast Guard on the back of the life jacket if it's not a Coast Guard approved life jacket, it is not a, it is not safe for a child to be wearing in the water. Because it, it could is, could it choke them or not it, save them or what? or it might position them with their face down. Mm. Coast Guard approved life jackets are mm-hmm. built. Even those water those ones that have like the the uh, I can't remember the name of them right now, but there's there's the ones where they have there's life jackets that have a band and little arm kind of floats. Uh-huh. Those will Floaties. actually yeah they will actually well. Yeah, they'll position if the baby if the if the patient's floating or the person I should say is floating, they'll float on their back. Okay, um, f- water wings by themselves without the the chest band are not safe. 
they're not Coast Guard approved. They're essentially, um, you know, things that we put on our kids for us to feel better. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they're incredibly dangerous. And we wore them as I wore I them as a child. And yeah. Yeah. One falls off and then you're doomed. Well, yeah. Like, well, that's the thing. And then also, you know, that if, 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 if you struggle with water wings on, your face will go directly into the water. Mm. So, again, Coast Guard approved life jackets, okay, are, are definitely uh, really important. Do you recommend life jackets always when children are in a lake, river, anything? All the time. Does not matter if you're just chilling out on the boat, you're on the tube and everything's good, okay? Kids slip into the water and you will not hear a thing. Put a life jacket on your kid. You might not be able to see. You would, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A kid might jump off a dock and, you know, have over, uh, you know, probably over, estimated his uh, capabilities and might not come up, might get stuck on a log. You know, I don't know, right? I feel like I've, I sound like a doomsday sort of person here, but it, it's really an easy, easy thing to do. Uh, another thing that, uh, you know, being on a boat, okay, uh, you should, kids should be wearing life jackets on boats, kayaks, canoes, floats down the Guadalupe River, wear a life jacket, use that you know, it's a very easy thing to do, and it will save your child's life. And you'll feel a lot less stressed out, too, right? I think that's another th really important thing to do. Um, two more quick things. Swim lessons, they're great. I strongly encourage them. Generally, we recommend, about, you know, the age of one or up, uh, you can start doing, like, the mommy and me, or I should say the parent and child swim classes, building comfort in the water, um, and... Uh, some a little more skill with the water is really good. There, there. If you look around town or you Google survival swimming, there are people out there who teach survival swimming classes to non-swimmers, and I rec I think it's worth looking into. I can't necessarily say I'd recommend it fully, but I can tell you a great story. Survival swim classes are really and truly all they do is teach a kid that you know to save themselves if they fall in, if they fall into water okay so the, the you go from not knowing anything about swimming to being able to swim to the side of the pool and get yourself out and you know all they do is 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 teach that they don't teach strokes they don't you know make you blow bubbles they literally just dunk kids underwater and and train them to to come back up here's my story i was at a pool party number of years ago now and this probably 18 month to two-year-old child was at part of the party i was standing me and another dad were sitting next to the pool i was watching the pool and little toddlers cruising down next to the pool and he was looking looked over his shoulder and one foot went in and he dropped right into the pool right in front of me uh. and i was like i don't know this kid swims right and i'm getting up and ready to go in right mm -hmm. and the dad next to me puts his hand on my shoulder and says wait and watch uh. the kid popped up okay he flipped himself over on his back he was this is an 18 month old kid wow he was completely calm. I could see his little eyeballs looking for the side of the pool. He kicked his little legs, swam to the side of the pool, put his arm, put his hand on the side, pulled himself out, and then went off and chased his brother again. That is so, incredible. Absolutely. An 18-month-old. So, yes, an 18-month-old kid. So do swim lessons work? Yes. Should they be your primary way to protect that, your child from, from, from drowning? No. 
So do I, and do I recommend them? Absolutely. But again, the survival swimming is definitely, uh, something that's out there. I don't, I don't recommend it. It can be kind of traumatic. You know, they drink a lot of water and, and you know, it's not for everybody for sure. Right. But it, it, it works if it's done, if it's done properly. And that was the dad who knew yeah. that he, he was going to be, I mean, totally fine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And the kid had literally, I think, just graduated from this program. And the, the scary thing, and like you hear this, like they, some of the, sometimes they don't even let the parents in to these because it's so, Ugh. it can be so traumatizing. So the final exam, okay, for these kids in this uh, survival swimming program is they're just sitting there talking and they don't even tell the parent. They just grab the kid's arm, toss them into the deep end of a pool, and then they have to get themselves to uh, swim to safety. Wow. So yeah, it's, oh my it, it's super <laughs> scary. And it's like even very traumatizing for a parent, right? Yes. It does work though. I will say that much. Um, and, the, and then the very final thing, okay. Um, in the event that a child uh, is found underwater, it's really important to be able to start high quality CPR early. Uh, you know, of course you want to call 911. All right. But being able to do high quality CPR early is really important. So you know, especially for parents of, uh, you know, kids who have a pool at their house, CPR classes. Good idea. That's a great advice. For the busy practitioner listener, I know you talked about canoeing at the beginning of our podcast episode. Do you have um, some uh, places that you'd recommend for getaways when we all need to get away from it all? Where's can you give us some insight there yeah. on some awesome places to go? There's a couple of places really there's close by, of course. Um, and I'll just list a couple um, right now. Near uh, San Antonio? Yeah, near San Antonio. Um, Bernie City Lake. Have you been there? No. You can rent paddle boards. You can rent canoes, kayaks. Uh, it's a non-motorized lake. Um, it's, it's really fun. It can be super busy on the weekends now. I think I used to go there back when it was not really discovered yet, but, uh, it's a great place. Um, mm. midweek would be really fun, right? Um, nice. but yeah, it's a great place to go. Calm water, really chill. Um, uh, there are a number of outfitters on the Guadalupe river, um, as well as the San Marcos river, um, that will rent you kayaks or canoes or tubes. Um, those are all really fun. The, the San Marcos river is pretty neat because it's, it's spring fed and it's generally the same temperature year round. So it's pretty cool in the summer. It's around in the, in the early, low seventies, I think. And then you can actually keep, you can actually, um, paddle there in the winter as well. Um, I go to Big Bend a lot. I honestly still, I do, um, I, I, I kayak and, and canoe on the Rio Grande River. And it's nothing, it's like nothing I've ever done before. Um, you know, as you're paddling down the river, you have literally have one country on your left, on your right, and you have one country on your left. So wow. you look to the right, the right shore is Mexico, the left shore is the United States. So, wow. you know, traveling along an international border, uh, on a river is a real special experience. And I, you know, I know everyone is, a lot of people, I should say, feel nervous and scared about, you know, borders and safety and um, I'll knock on, on wood, but I can really honestly say I've never felt unsafe down there um, uh, in all my experiences so far. Do you recommend doing that in the summer? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I avoid Big Bend in the summer mm -hmm. and I'm fairly certain that they, that most of the people who work out there probably say the same thing. The latest I've been to Big Bend is the end of May. And I was really sad that I went because 
you, I, 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 I got out of the car after driving almost the six hours straight from here in June. I'm sorry, the end of May, I should say. And I got out and it was like six o'clock at night and it was unbearable heat within like 10 minutes in May in May. So I'm, I, I don't go to Big Bend in the summer. Um, I think that the, I, it real honestly, like the sweet spot for Big Bend in, is uh, basically like November through, through the end of February. The weather is perfect. The crowds are manageable. And by crowds, it's like really funny. Like it's hard to find a parking spot. But for the majority of your trip in Big Bend, you will not see other people, even when it's busy. And that's what my dad recommended as well. Staying away from Big Bend in the summer, just avoid it altogether. Never, never. I don't go. This has been great, Rob. I'm so honored to be talking to you today. And I thank you for sharing your knowledge. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Up next week, how to stay ahead when it comes to cranial remolding. We'll talk to an expert. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pediatrics Now. Click on the link for free credit if you're a practitioner. You can also email us with questions or episode ideas. That address is pediatricsnow at uthscsa.edu. We release a new episode every Friday. I'm Holly Wayment. I hope you can join us for our next episode. Thanks for listening.